Welcome back to Mr. Cummings VC Informatics Podcast. From this episode on, we're looking at Unit 3, Outcome 2, which involves the collection, manipulation, and interpretation of complex data to confirm or refute a hypothesis. You'll be managing the project with a project plan using a Gantt chart. Today, we'll be looking at Unit 3, Outcome 2, Key Knowledge Points 1 to 4. Key Knowledge Point 1, Primary and Secondary Data Sources that's digital and non-digital, and methods of data acquisition, including observation, interview, and querying of resources. Primary data is data that's been collected by you. It's generally collected by methods such as interviews, observation, and surveys and questionnaires. Within these methods, we have have different techniques of acquiring data, including asking, asking open and closed questions, interviewing by a phone or in person, or by email or video conference, and open or covert observation. Some advantages of collecting primary data include the fact that you know exactly where the data has come from, you know the source, you know what manipulation has or hasn't been done to the data, you can easily follow up on the data that you've collected because you know exactly where it's come from, and you can collect data that specifically suits your research question. Some disadvantages of primary data are that it really takes a lot of time, which makes it difficult to collect uh, large volumes of data, and it can also be expensive if you are getting other people to collect that data with you. Secondary data is where you use data that's been collected by another party. When collecting secondary data, it's important to try and collect unbiased data and to use trusted sources like government agencies, and also using multiple sources or collecting multiple sources for that data. We're not just talking about visiting websites. It's also important when collecting secondary data to reference all materials that are collected. This includes paraphrasing and summarizing. The Harvard referencing model is one that's accepted within the study design, and there's an example of that on page 110 of your textbook. Some advantages of collecting secondary data include, it's quick and easy to collect, and there's a huge amount of data available from a wide variety of sources and covering a wide variety of topics. Data can be collected worldwide and over a large time span. It can also help uh, formulate the type of primary data that you want to collect. Some weaknesses of secondary data are that it may not exactly match your research question. Sources can sometimes be unreliable and may have been manipulated in a way that distorts the data. It can be difficult to find data that does not have some bias embedded in it. When you've collected your data, it's likely that you'll be using SQL or structured query language to sort or filter your results to draw out the data that supports or refutes your hypothesis. Pages 91 to 107 of your textbook have some really great information on data collection and some examples of how to set up interviews, surveys and so on, as well as the types of questions you could ask. I highly recommend that you read those pages before you start the first part of your SAT. Next, we'll take a look at key knowledge point two, suitability of quantitative and qualitative data for manipulation, including comparisons of quantitative and policy formation for qualitative. Quantitative data uh, is written using numbers. It can be easily bulk analyzed, uh, it's measurable, and we can compare large amounts of historical data. If we can count it, it's quantitative. This data is very easily manipulated using a spreadsheet to find totals and averages, etc. 
and produce graphs, which enables us to quickly and easily see trends. Qualitative data is expressed in words. It's collected on a smaller scale and is a little more difficult to measure and manipulate. We can codify qualitative data by collecting people's responses into broader categories. We can collect these categories and put them on a survey and allow people to select from these categories their preferred response or the response which most matches what they believe. An example that you would know of codifying qualitative data would be when your teachers use a rubric to assess your work, where the rubric uh, includes a series of criteria and the teacher selects the criteria that most closely matches the student's work. So the qualitative data can be collected, it's just not as easy as collecting quantitative data, like when your maths teacher adds up all the questions you got correct and puts that into a percentage. We'll now look at key knowledge point three, data types and data structures relevant to selected software tools. We already know that we use data types and data structures to allow us to store information efficiently and process data effectively. There are many data types, none of which are mentioned specifically in the study design, but some of the common data types as we know are numeric, character, string, and Boolean data types. A couple of other types are currency and date. Enforcing data types, or an easy way of performing some validation, for example, setting a field type, uh, or sorry, setting a field to the data type of date will force a user to only enter in the date. If a data type is set to integer, a user will not be able to enter anything else, so they can't enter a string or text. Common data structures that we're used to seeing include tables, like those we see in the spreadsheets on Microsoft Excel, and we can divide those tables into fields and records, like what we would see on Microsoft Access, or any kind of database for that matter. We know that when we use an RDBMS such as Access, we can enforce relationships between our tables of data as well and also ensure that all of our records are unique. 